Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for calling Sports on Marketing. This is Courtney. How can I help you? Hi, my name is Paul Gann. I have an interview scheduled with Warren Moon. What was your name? Uh, Paul Gant. Paul, how do you spell your last name, Paul? Uh, G-A-N-T. And you have an interview with Warren? Yes. One second, please. Hi, Paul. I'm going to transfer you to him right now. Okay. Hello? Warren. Hello? Yes, sir. How are you, Paul Gann here, sir? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, We can get started anytime you're ready. I want to hold you. Yeah, let's do it. Are we taping this? Yes, yeah. Okay. So we'll get started in about uh, 10 seconds. All righty. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Fame quarterback, the one, the only, Warren Moon. Warren, how are you, man? I am doing great. Happy holidays to you. Same to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Now, Warren, you know a lot about quarterbacks, so we got to start with RG3 and that whole situation. As we all know, Mike Shanahan decided to sit RG3 for the final three games. Your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, you know, it's really hard to figure out what the, the whole truth is behind the situation, whether it's because of them not wanting to put more wear and tear on his body over the last three weeks of the season because he has taken a lot of hits this year. Or is it because he's just not playing well and this is their way of getting him out of the lineup and letting uh, another quarterback come in and play? So it depends on the reason why, and we really don't know what the true reason is. I've never heard of a quarterback that even though he's taken some hits, 
uh, as long as he's healthy, he can still go out there and play. There's, there's other quarterbacks around this league that are, are getting knocked around a little bit, but they're still playing. Uh, so it just depends because he hasn't been playing that well. And right. my my problem is psychologically and mentally, if they're going to take him out of the lineup and sit him down for the rest of the year, at least let him have one game where he has some positive success in it so he has that good feeling going into the off season as opposed to uh, the negative feeling that he has right now because he hasn't played that well. And that's all he has to go into the off season with until the next time he's able to get back on the field in September next year. So uh, psychologically, I just don't think it's a good move for him. Now, I look at this whole situation, and I think, you know what, I don't even think RG3 should have started the season. He didn't seem healthy when he when he went out there to start the season. So I felt like, and, and I know the machine, you know, you had all the commercials, you had the documentaries, you had all the stuff uh, leading up to him playing that first game. But in my mind, I, I thought like, I, I felt like they should have kept him out uh, uh, for the first few weeks of the season. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think he was healthy as far as being, uh, uh, his knee being strong, his knee being healed and all those different things. So, that part, uh, the doctors would have never let him go back out on the field if that was the case. But was he ready to play uh, competitively at that level, having not had any any preseason? Probably not. And he probably needed a little bit more time. But they did go ahead and play him, and he got off to the slow start. He had, you know, he had some some uh, games in there where he played, you know, pretty decent. But he, he still hasn't been the player that we know he can be, the explosive player. And a lot of times when a guy comes off of a, a major knee injury like that, it, it sometimes takes to, into that second year before he really gets back to his normal self again. Yeah, he's, he's healthy enough, and yeah, he's able to go out and play, but is he able to play at the level that, that you're used to? And, and I, I don't think he's at that level right now. Now, interesting dynamic in Washington. You have Mike Shanahan, the coach. You have Kyle Shanahan, the offense coordinator, who is the son of Mike Shanahan. As a quarterback, how would you handle that situation? Would it be a tough situation for you? Well, it really doesn't matter who the who the uh, coach is related to and all that type of thing, as long as they're qualified and they know what they're doing. And I think as a veteran quarterback, uh, I would be able to tell if, if he knew exactly what he was doing or not. Uh, as a young quarterback in RG3, he really doesn't have anything to go by because he hasn't been in the league before. So I don't know how much confidence he had in, in Kyle or not. But as long as is, uh, I think he's putting together a good game plan that seems like it's sound and everything, I have no problem with the relationships. Now, Warren, let's go now to the 1993 Houston Oilers. We're talking to Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. And, Warren, in that documentary of Football Life, the 1993 Oilers, they talked about being a black quarterback in Texas. Give us a glimpse of how it was for you back then. Um, when I first got there, you know, there was a lot of high expectations put on me and the team, especially with all the, the hype that came in with me coming to the football team. Uh, they were a 2-14 and 14 team the year before I got there. Uh, and they expected things to be turned around immediately. So when that that didn't happen because we just didn't have a great roster, and we knew it was going to take a while to to build to to, to become a uh, you know a competitive football team. And so those first few years were very tough on me, and and a lot of uh, I got a lot of criticism, which is fine because a quarterback is going to get a lot of criticism when the team isn't doing well. But a lot of mine you know had to do with with uh, with hating it and became a little bit more personal and. And uh, a lot of it had to do with the color of my skin. So that part of it was, was tough for me to deal with. But uh, 
eventually as our team got better and and we started to improve a lot of that stuff went away uh, it's kind of hard to complain about a guy if if your team is winning and he's playing well so right. uh winning kind of solves you know everything even even prejudice now now Warren in 1993 this was a very talented football team and Bruce Bruce Matthews talked about the lack of character on the team did, did you do you agree with Matthews in and saying there is a lot, there was a lack of character in 1993 on that particular football team. Well, uh, there were a lot of good high character guys on that team, but there were some guys that, that that did lack it, and there's no question about it. But I think you're going to find that on on a lot of football teams. So our team wasn't that much different. Um, I, I think uh, so many different things happened on our football team throughout that that season, uh, controversially that that we had to deal with on a day-to-day basis, you couldn't just focus on football all the time. You couldn't just talk about your opponent. You had to talk about, you know, all the other distractions that were going on within our team, whether it was uh, a player committing suicide, whether it was mm-hmm. a coach hitting another coach on the sideline, whether it was me being benched, whether it was, uh, you know, Babygate, one of our players refusing to play after his child was born. There was just so many different things going on throughout that year that, that the players had to deal with and, and really kind of distracted away from your focus sometime as far as getting ready for a game. Now, as you said, your team started 1-4. Ultimately, you were benched. At the time, you had to feel like – did you feel like you were getting singled out? Uh, of course I did, but I understood part of it, you know, that uh, I get a lot of the, the fame and glory when we're doing well, and I get a lot of the blame when we're not, and it's – it's a team sport. Uh, there's a lot of guys responsible for what happens. Uh, I don't play defense, so when they when they score against your defense, I don't have a whole lot to do with that. Now, when we don't score on offense, uh, a lot of that is put on my back. But I understood the benching. I didn't agree with it. Um, but the fortunate thing was for me that I just had to you know, keep myself positively motivated that, hey, if I get another opportunity to get back out there, I'm not going to give it back. And it came a little bit sooner than I thought. Right into the first half of the first football game that I was benched, I was back on the field playing, and uh, we went on a nice okay. little run. We're talking to Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. And now, Warren, looking at the documentary again, Buddy Ryan and Kevin Gilbride, obviously those two did not get along. And it kind of divided the team. You had the offense against the defense. How much did that affect the football team? Again, it's just another one of those things we talked about um, being a distraction. You know, your your 53 guys in that locker room should all be in cohesion together, and we didn't always have that at times because of uh, that competition between the two sides um, that was that was pretty much motivated by the coaching staff. So right. that right there is a huge problem, and uh, again, it it takes away from the cohesion and the closeness of, and the chemistry of your football team. Uh, we were a talented group. There's no question about it. We had eight to ten pro bowlers on our football team. But if we're not all playing in cohesion and, and playing uh, for each other, uh, you're not going to have the success ultimately that you want to have. Now, Buddy Ryan, one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of professional football. I mean, obviously he came in and he made the defense much better. But at the end of the day, was Buddy Ryan really good for the 1993 Oilers? In some ways, definitely. He made us more aggressive. Uh, we were pretty sound. I forgot what we were rated defensively that year, but we were up there high, I think in the top five probably. But, yeah, the, the decisiveness that was brought in and that competitiveness 
that was within our football team, uh, he had a little bit to do with, and that, that probably wasn't good for us. So there were some things that were good for bringing him in, but there were some things that were negative about bringing him in. Now, of course, we all know the situation, Buddy and Kevin Gilbride, and ultimately the punch where Buddy punched Kevin, Gil, Kevin Gilbride. What was your perspective on that whole situation? When you saw that go down, what, was, what were you thinking? Well, it finally came to a head that uh, what had been going on all season long between the two uh, finally showed its ugly head on the sideline in a a, uh, nationally televised game uh, during a game. Um, And it's too bad it had to happen that way, but it did, and and we had to deal with it. And like I said, dealing with it took a lot away from our football team. But uh, it didn't surprise me that it happened because those two had been at each other's uh, throats the whole year long. We're talking to Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. And, Warren, you, you mentioned the situation with David Williams. Ultimately, he had his baby with his wife, and ultimately he stayed with his baby and his wife. He was criticized by ownership, including Bud Adams. Twenty years later, what's your take on that whole situation? Was it overblown? It was overblown only because of some of the comments that were made by certain individuals, but um, I agree that, that David should have been at the game. I felt like his baby was born on Friday, and uh, he had a chance to be with his wife. And I've had my children um, born during the season as well, and I was there for my birth. And then when the birth is over and your your wife is all right, the baby's all right, then you move on and get back to work and go go play. Uh, Or if you have a job that's 9 to 5, you get back to your job and you go work. So... I agree that he should have been with with the football team, but when he decided not to stay, then because of we're in a high profile sport and and comments were made, uh, some comments were made that uh, rubbed people the wrong way. Um, I kind of stayed out of the fray when it came to that because you know every man's you know personal life is his situation. But if if I was asked my opinion, I would have said yeah, I would have been there to play because that's what I would have done. But I would have first made sure my wife and my child were fine. Now, the football life, the 1990s, the Orioles, they talked about the tragic death uh, of Jeff Palm and that whole situation. He committed suicide after getting into a car accident and killing his best friend. Talk about the impact that had on you. Well, you know, I knew Jeff and I knew his buddy, and, and uh, Jeff was a great guy. He was a guy that liked fast cars. Uh, he was a guy that liked guns. And uh, those two usually don't go well together, but uh, it's unfortunate that that uh, he got into the car accident. It's unfortunate that his best friend died in that accident. And then it's even more unfortunate that he took his life because of it. So just a very tragic situation that, again, our football team had to deal with because Jeff was a you know, a popular guy on the team. And, and uh, you just never know how that's going to affect guys emotionally or mentally when something like that happens to, a, to almost a family member, you know, because we're all basically in a family. Right. And ultimately, your 1993 Oilers, you guys went on an 11-game win streak. You were a very hot football team going into the playoffs. You ran into Joe Montana and the Kansas City Chiefs. You, you guys, it was a common theme for you guys. You got up early, and ultimately you lost the lead, and ultimately you lost the game. How disappointing was that season for you in terms of the way it ended? Well, you, you never want your season to end uh, in the playoffs because uh... – it's over, you know, and there's only one team ultimately that's going to be happy when it's all said and done. And you want to win your last game, and there's only one team, <clears throat> one team, excuse me, in the league that basically wins their last game in the playoffs. Um, it's the champion. So um, 
we thought we were a better football team and, and could and should have went on, but we didn't finish out that football game. So you always feel like uh, you left something out there, and and that's the last thing you want to feel like as a football player or any athlete is that you left something out on the field. You want to leave everything out there, and if you leave everything out there, then you have nobody to blame. But uh, when you when you feel like you could have played better uh, and get the job done, uh, that's what that's what's more disappointing. Now you talked about all the distractions in terms of Jeff Hom, David Williams, Buddy Ryan, Kevin Gilbride. Is there anything that your head coach Jack Pardee could have done to to limit those distractions and limit the effects of those distractions? Yeah, I think there was. You know, I had went to Jack about trying to nip that whole situation in the bud early in the season because I could see it escalating and and it wasn't getting any better and. And Jack was a guy that you know wasn't really confrontational, and um, if it was something I could have solved as a player, uh, I would have tried to. But you know, my my job is to try and lead the players. It's Jack's job to lead his coaches, and and I thought he should have stepped in and, and let those two sit down and, and with him in the same room and, and hash it all out. But Jack felt like they they should be able to work it out as grown men together, but it just never happened that way. We're talking to Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. And Warren, ultimately, 1993 was your final year in Houston. When that game ended against the Kansas City Chiefs, did you know, did you know at the time that it was over in Houston? Uh, I wasn't sure, you know, because, again, okay. we had had a great year. Um, we, didn't, we didn't finish the way we wanted to. Um, you know, I made another Pro Bowl that year. So, you know, coming off a 12-4 and team and, and winning a, uh, getting into a Pro Bowl again, you, you didn't think that you're uh, – you were playing that bad, um, but the salary cap also came into fruition right. then. And once I saw that that the salary cap was there, and and they weren't going to be able to pay two quarterbacks, uh, you know, big money, uh, then I knew that there was a chance that I, I might not be back. Buddy Ryan called the 1993 Houston Oilers the most talented team he's been around, and this guy was a defensive coordinator for the 1985 Bears arguably the best football team ever. I mean, a lot of people really love the 85 Bears team. As a whole, was the 90, 1993 Houston Oilers the most talented team you played on? Yeah, I think so from a from a talent and experience standpoint. Uh, yeah, we were really, really good. Like I said, we had a, a ton of guys, especially on our defensive side of the ball, that that uh, were Pro Bowl caliber players. Uh, we had two guys on our offensive line that are now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, we had some uh, really excellent uh, receivers on the outside, so we had everything pretty much that you needed uh, to win it all. You know, except for our offense didn't didn't allow for a tight end, and I think that's something that that was one of the drawbacks of the run and shoot is not having a tight end, not having that one big guy that could be in there to help you with the running game to kind of close games out. It, it's hard to close games out when you have to keep throwing it. Now you you put up a lot of numbers in the run and shoot. As a whole and collectively, did you like the run and shoot offense? I did. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was hard to stop when we were all on the same page. But again, that was my only criticism of it. And uh, you know, I, I threw for for good numbers in that offense, but I threw for for big numbers when I went to Minnesota as well, even right. bigger numbers, and threw the ball even more times. So uh, it really didn't matter what offense I was in. I, I think I thought I was going to be productive. You know, I went to Seattle and led the league in passing. So. Uh, that wasn't the problem. It was, it was like I said, being able to close those games out in the run and shoot, mm-hmm. and being able to have a, a solid running game that would help you do that. 
Now, I look at those Oilers teams of the late late 80s and early 90s, and, and I think about the what-ifs. I think about that playoff game against the Denver Broncos. John Elway goes down the field. I think about the 1992 wild-card game against the Buffalo Bills, and I think about the 1993 Oilers. When you look back on all those teams, do you think about the possibility sometimes? The possibility of? The possibilities of, of breaking through and winning titles. Should those oh, teams yeah. have won at least once? I think so, yeah. I think we had a chance probably with two of those teams to win two of them, the 90, 92 team and the 93 team. So they were both talented enough you know, to win, and that's what makes it so frustrating and disappointing that you didn't get it done. And uh, I'm, I know there's a lot of other guys um, on other teams you know, throughout the years that feel the same way, that they were on good enough teams to, to win a Super Bowl. You, you look at the Denver Broncos last year. Um, right. You know, being at home against the Baltimore Ravens and not winning that game, most people thought they were favored. So the favorite doesn't always win the Super Bowl. Fifteen and one Green Bay team, you know, a few years ago, and the Giants come in there and beat them. So it happens, and uh, we all feel the same. We feel frustrated and disappointed, but we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Now, Warren, looking at the current NFL right now, you have the Seattle Seahawks who look like they'll they will be the favorite in the NFC, and the AFC is kind of wide open. When it's all said and done, how do you see this thing playing out? It's really hard to say. You know, there's still a few weeks left in the season. There's a lot of tight playoff races going on for for home field, for for division titles, and you got to really see who's playing the best football at the, at the end of the year. That those are the teams that usually make that playoff run. And um, you know, I like Seattle's chances in the in the uh, NFC just because of the way they're playing. And if they can get home field, it's going to be very tough to go in there and beat them. Uh, in Seattle, uh, San Francisco is really starting to play well, and uh, uh, you just never know what's going to happen with the other teams, you know, in in the NFC. I mean, the NFC East because it's it's a log jam there right now, as well as in the North. Uh, in the AFC, you know, Denver is going to be, probably be the team uh, that that wins out there, unless New England can continue to keep winning. But without Gronkowski, it's going to be tough on them. So. It's really hard to say right now because injuries have so much to do with what happens down the stretch. Weather has a lot to do with it. Um, but it's the team that's playing the best football when the season ends that, that it has the best chance, I think. Talk about some of the things going on with Warren Moon now. Well, I'm doing the broadcasting for the uh, Seattle Seahawks and uh, been doing that for the last 10 years and I really enjoy it. It's a great organization. They have a great football team to follow this year, very talented and young and, and uh, athletic and and uh, confident. Um, I do a post-game show for them called The Fifth Quarter. I also do a show during the week called Seahawks All Access. So do a lot of media work with them. I also have a sports marketing entertainment business called Sports One Marketing that's based in Irvine, California, and, and we do a number of uh, marketing projects for different corporations and companies that they want to have more uh, visibility in the sports arena, whether it's a product going to market, whether it's needing funding for a product, uh, whether it's putting on a, a sports or entertainment-related event. Uh, we do a lot of events that have a charitable component to it, so that keeps me busy on a day-to-day basis. And then I do appearances all over the country. So my, my life is pretty full right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Warren, where can fans find out about some of the great things you have going on? Uh, they can go to my uh, my sports1marketing.com website, and that, that pretty much keeps 
everybody up to speed on what I do on a weekly basis and a monthly basis. We have a, a monthly newsletter that we come out with that kind of talks about what I do personally each month and also what our company is doing. So sportsonemarketing.com is the place to go. Warren, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. All right, anytime. You, you uh, let me know, and uh, we'll talk it up. So in the meantime, uh, have a very, very happy New Year. You too. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all those, all those good things. All right, take care. Take care, sir. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.